the tabletop Take away Game mechanics on display Three designers share the stage Pick a genre and we'll play The tabletop Take away Welcome back to the Tabletop Takeaway. I'm Trevor Muller-Hagel. I'm Ananda Gunaratna. I'm Charlie McCarran. And today we're talking about Marvel Champions, episode three in our co-op series. All right. Uh, so if you have not heard of Marvel Champions, it is uh, predominantly a card game where you each take the role of a superhero from the Marvel Universe. Uh, you can create your own deck or use the one supplied. And you basically can build a deck of 40 to 50 cards uh, using a, uh, the character's base abilities, uh, which is about 15 cards, uh, give or take. And then add an aspect like leadership or aggression. Uh, and then you can add some general cards to that. And you can completely customize it almost from uh, the, the whole deck, except for your base hero cards. Uh, they have many, many heroes released for this and some scenario packs villains, all these different things. Um, it's a living card game by Fantasy Flight. Uh, yeah, it's got a lot going on. Um, but uh, the first thing I want to talk about is how the overall uh, flow works. So you have heroes and the villain. The heroes are all cooperatively working together to take out the villain. The villain is an AI-run uh, kind of schemer and attacker, and that's kind of the duality of the game is that you have scheming and attacking. Uh, he will attack heroes when they're in their hero form. He will scheme against the uh, their schemes in their uh, when the heroes are in their alter ego form. So the heroes can switch back and forth between the two. Uh, and then the heroes are able to gain resources, put cards in front of them, much like an engine builder. Uh, they use resources on cards to pay for cards. Uh, so maybe a card costs two. They may have to pay two cards to play that one card from their hand. Every hero side and alter ego side has a different hand count. So depending on which side you're on may change how many cards you draw. So there's a lot of little moving pieces in this game. I won't go crazy into detail just because we want to have time to talk about it. Uh, but ultimately you are trying to defeat the villain as the heroes by punching him to death. Uh, and preventing him from accomplishing, accomplishing his uh, main scheme, uh, which there are two phases to, and there's also two phases every time to the villain. Uh, once you defeat one, the other one will reveal, and will be a stronger version of the first one. Yeah. In a nutshell, about that's about the, the, the size of it. Um, I really like Marvel Champions as far as uh, superhero card game goes. Like, I felt like it did a great job capturing that essence and making it feel like a truly cooperative experience. You can play your own cards and abilities on other players. Like, it, it's very collaboratively based and is also pretty uh, good at restricting quarterbacking because you don't share your hand with your other players. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I thought that it did capture the the theme of superheroics pretty well. Um yeah. I guess the only other uh, similar superhero card game I've played, of course, is um, what was it called? Uh, Sen Sentinels of the Multiverse. Oh, yes, yes. Um, and, and I definitely think I like this one better than Sentinels of the Multiverse. One thing it did, um, which is very 
on theme is the the duality of the hero's life between superheroes and the alter ego. Oh yeah. Um like I felt like it did a really good job capturing that cuz you can swap back and forth between them. And like if you stay in your alter ego too long the the you know the superhero is going to get their their plan. So you uh plans accomplished. So you you know you can you can rest for a while and recover your health, do yeah. some alter ego actions, but yeah. the villain is getting stronger. So you have to go back out scheme, there. So you have to go back out there and punch the villain some. Yeah, and I, yeah. I thought thematically that worked very well. Yeah. Um I, I also I, I like the resource system. Um it's it's sort of like a race for the galaxy type thing where you you discard cards to pay for other cards based on their costs. Right. And there's different types of resources, but you aren't really restricted to using a right. particular type for a particular card. It's just some some cards have an ability where if you use the right type of resource to pay for that card, you get a little bonus. Um, but you can also just pay for the card with any resource, and right. you get a slightly weaker version, which I think is nice because you know if you don't ha- if you didn't draw the resources, you can still use your card. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I like that. That was you know a nice forgiving system. Yeah, I think uh, I I this isn't like necessarily a game right up my alley, but I did like that uh, I was playing as Iron Man, and <laughs> I'm glad Trevor you set it up for me that like you know when you're Tony Stark, he's gonna build up all this technology, yep. and that makes your Iron Man he's working suit in his lab better. When he's Tony Stark, uh, when he's yeah. Iron Man without much gear, he's not very useful because he can just maybe do a blast and he's done. Yeah, and and that alone makes me want to try different characters. He's like, oh, yeah. how would this character play? And I think I've played in the past as She-Hulk, even. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, the duality is pretty fun. Yeah. Yeah, de- definitely very thematic there. Um, so part for me is, uh, or actually maybe a restriction. I, I don't play this game as much as I want to. Uh, it's a co-op or could be solo. I could play it, you know, alone in my house. Um, but there are a lot of steps to each part of the process. So the, the, uh, player reference card is double-sided one for the, uh, the heroes and one for the villain. And the villain has, I believe four or five upkeep steps that you have to do. And when you have to do that for every player, it can just start to add up exponentially. And I think uh, it took us about two hours to play the first game. And I wasn't actually a character. I was just uh, teaching the game and making sure we had the rules mostly correct. Uh, but it just it takes a bit of time to work your way through it. I mean, this this is actually one thing that puzzles me about the game because, I mean, based on my experience of Spirit Island, um, and I feel like simi- uh, Spirit Island has sort of a similar structure overall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and we talked about Spirit Island last time. I don't see why this game needs to be turn based. Um, I feel like they could easily do the same thing Spirit Island did, uh, just have everything be simultaneous. All the heroes take their turns at once. Um, it doesn't matter whether you go before or after someone else. You can talk a- a- about it amongst yourselves if, if it makes a difference. And then have um, the villains attack everyone. I-, I mean, I guess maybe the villain could be turn-based, but the n- having the heroes take their turns one at a time right. seemed unnecessary. And there were times when like uh, Charlie was the first player... And I had a card that I wanted to play to help Charlie, but I couldn't because it wasn't my turn. Right. Um, yet, and uh, that felt unnecessary to me. I wonder if in testing they felt like people were actually APing it too much on when it's all open. Like, sure. well, if I do this exactly, I play this card. You play that card. He plays that. Then I play this card. Yeah, and that could definitely slow it down. 
Okay. Uh, but if it's a similar thing like Spirit Island where you just are working in your things, like, hey, could you use a thing? Like, yeah, great. You can pass in the thing. Yeah. yeah. Like, and that's, that's the thing. Like, we don't have our own little zones in this. We're all operating in the same space like Pandemic. Well, and okay. So maybe I, that's kind of helping our psychology to like. Actually, I, I feel like we kind of do because. Oh, yeah? Well, there is the common zone of the main villain. Sure. Oh, and then we have but, our encounters. Right. So the I feel like the encounters give us enough of a private area sure. that it does combat quarterbacking a bit in, in a similar fashion to Spirit Island. Because, like, you know, I have some villains in front of me. And, yeah, maybe Charlie can help me deal with them if he's dealt with his own. But, um, like, they, they are certainly my villains to deal with. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I think it, it actually... I feel like it does um, strike a good balance between having a single shared board and then also a private board state. Sure. Mm-hmm. And, and you also have your tableau to manage, which is the main um, Yeah, which can puzzle. get pretty pretty crazy depending on your character. Charlie had a lot of Iron Man gear and stuff popping out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then some of the villain's abilities will actually take away some of those upgrades and support cards. So like, yeah. you're kind of combating this yeah. ever-changing field. Like I was yeah. Captain America and one of the, the villains early on just took away my shield. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, going back to like the villain turn... Um, one thing I've heard about co-op development is, you know, you try to make the villain's turn be a shorter amount of time than the player's turn. I think that's a good rule of thumb. I'm not sure this game achieves that because sometimes we got so lost in the villain's turn. I was like, is "Is this my turn or I can't even remember anymore because there's... The, the reference, back and forth. reference card was very helpful for keeping us like in the know of where we were going, but it was a big crutch for us. We needed to make sure we were like focusing on that because when did the first player token transfer? And that's a big reason because like then the first card from the encounter deck goes to first player. So you don't want to give that to the wrong player just in case, you know, mm-hmm. it kills them because uh, no one feels good when they are wrongfully killed uh, or almost killed. Yeah. I mean, yeah, this is this is one thing. Where um, so so in our game, um, I was at nine health as Captain America, and I almost got one shot um, from a bad encounter card that made the villains all attack me again, and uh, that didn't feel great. Um, like I felt like I was safe at nine health because um, my max health is eleven. So I mean, right. you know, just percentage wise, it doesn't seem like I should be able to go to zero from that. Uh, I survived with one health, but. Um, I, I think this is uh, sort of, um, you know, related to what uh, I was talking about last time. The principle of for- foreshadowing is definitely violated here. Um, mm-hmm. If you can deal that much damage to a player, they need to be able to see it coming. Right, in some way, right? Yeah. Yeah, because it could have been, our two-hour game could have been like half an hour or <laughs> right. yeah. 20 minutes. And even. then that also feels <laughs> rough because it's like, well, I didn't get time to even build up my engine, you know, yeah. all yeah. these things, so... Yeah, it's. I think it's a really good point to being able to have that foreshadowing. And if it were maybe in like a literal space and you could see how far away the scary character was, but since it's in an abstract card space and they're just flipping over cards and you don't know what's in there, especially your first time playing, just like, you know, Charlie was saying, like you don't know the probabilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, so knowing that is really big. And I, I built the decks. Um, the villain I did uh, as just the standard claw deck, uh, which is... Uh, it's a moderate, like, starting uh, villain. Um, but there, it was challenging. And he, 
had things in there that we didn't remember or know about. And like, I forgot about, you know, everyone attacks you again. It's like, Oh God, then you Mm -hmm. already defended. You can't defend again. Yeah. You know, you're in trouble. Your shields at the bottom of your discard, you know? (laughs) Well, then that prompted another thing we were wondering about. Like if Ananda died, Right. Like, do I just try to face this thing by myself? And, and apparently right. you do. I guess yeah. I do. Yeah, which, he would. you know, yeah. I was thinking about it. I'm like, I think players will like that rule when it's nearing the end of the game. Like yeah. a natural progression. Like, oh, I, I died, but right. I can Myth do adventure. the final blow. Right. There's yeah. like five or ten minutes left. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, but that would have been, un, un, like, we would have just stopped it had Ananda died. Yeah. Uh, I will say the rule book could use a little bit of... Uh, clarification and how they have it set up but i'm pretty sure they know about that and there's even website uh, resources that you can go to for clarifications on a lot of rules you know just like any community there's a lot of uh, interpretations on things yeah so well we've been knocking marvel champions a little but there's good <laughs> stuff here too what, what would you say is uh, a takeaway for you uh so for me i felt like they really handled the narrative aspect of telling a superhero collaborative story, a cooperative story where you can, before the game starts, create your hero that you want to play as. So like I said, there's four aspects uh, and you can like, okay, I want to be, this time I'm going to be Captain America, but with the leadership where I can get a lot of allies out there and uh, Captain America has some uh, extra leadership benefits or uh, recruiting benefits. Yeah, I, I was playing a very face-punchy Captain yeah. America. Yeah, I made him, I made him face-punchy mm-hmm. when I built the decks. Uh, and I like that... Uh, that you don't you aren't restricted on like oh you can only have certain amount of well there's some cards that you can have like one of in a deck right which they explicitly but, state yeah. on the card like you can have one of this it's like oh okay yeah but it's not really a point value system it's just like you right. want this card sure put it in there they all have costs and you know if you want a lot of high cost cards you won't yeah. have a lot of cards in play mm-hmm. cuz you have to use cards to pay for cards so yeah it's it's a i felt like it was a really cool and clever mechanic with how they did that uh, I also uh, played Sentinels of the Multiverse a bit. I have my own copy. And it just, it's it felt like it was missing something for me. Um, and I, I'm a very big, like, in terms of RPG games, I like to customize my experience. I like to, like, choose, like, what I'm bringing into battle with me, you know? And I could not do that really with Sentinels. I chose my character, and then they have a pre-built deck. And then I'm that character. And so, like, people that love the comics and things like that may love something where it's like, hey, this is your character, and this are all of the things you have to do. But even like Spirit Island, you have your four starting cards, but then you pick up new ones, and it kind of evolves over the course of the game. And I love that. I, I love mm-hmm. that evolution. And so being able to build like an engine for your character and seeing that engine come to life, it's kind of combining magic with superhero as well, but with being a living card game instead of a collectible card game. Yeah. Uh, but it is kind of a collectible card game as well. Yeah. Well, and this is making me think of Smash Up a little bit. Too, oh, for sure. Like, it's nice to have a theme of these cards will work together. I know yeah. they will. And if you haven't played Smash Up, it's basically like, oh, I'm picking the leprechauns and the dinosaurs. And then you <laughs> smash up those two decks, and they'll have some weird combo that might work together, might not. But Princesses and X-Men. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, but I like that aspect to this, like you're saying. Oh, yeah. The leadership and... Um, yeah. So, yeah. I, uh, I mean, takeaways? yeah, for, for my part, I think just um, comparing and contrasting Marvel Champions with Spirit Island, um, because I did see a lot of parallels and it, it sort of helped me narrow in on, I think, 
some of the things that make Spirit Island really good. Um, because I, I think I think my takeaway here is sort of a formula for making um, co-op for making non information economy co-op games, which is basically for a co-op game, um, give each player a private puzzle that is theirs to solve and have a central uh, public puzzle that is everyone's to solve. Um, and then uh, that's enough. Don't, don't just have the public puzzle. Um, very easy trap, right? Like, well, trap. It, <laughs> th this is me theory crafting. But the, the public puzzle is, um, that's, a, that's a prime place for some quarterbacking. So yeah, pandemic that's why you, being a big. Yes. Yeah. So, so that, that's why you need the private puzzle. So private puzzle, public puzzle, give players ways to help other people in their private puzzles. Mm -hmm. Or um, in the public puzzle. Uh, or in the public puzzle, um, but of course, if you're just helping for the public puzzle, then you know you can get into quarterback in that way too. But that's that's basically my takeaway. Sort of this uh, rough idea to a formula that I want to try out, um, maybe for uh, Bleak Friday. Ooh, Bleak Friday. Yeah, which is a game that we're working on. Um, but yeah, I, I would say that's my takeaway. Cool. Yeah, I think for me. Uh, the Takeaway is this duality system of your character, um, going from superhero to regular person. And the ebb and flow of that is cool. Um, granted, you usually switch on your turn because you want to use both powers, but right. you kind of end in one state. And I like that idea that you can feel like some of your cards work with that and uh, in different um, states. And yeah, I like that that ebb and flow. And also then throughout the course of the game, you're building up all your stuff and then you get those cool moments of like, yes, I can finally make this combo that I've been waiting for. And I have the aerial trait. Now I can do the supersonic punch. Yes. Oh, I was waiting for that <laughs> for so long. Felt so good. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so for me, my takeaway from this game uh, is have enough little pieces for people to be able to customize and play with if you're going to go that route. If you, like Pandemic, you choose a character, they have an ability, you're in a main public puzzle, someone could easily four or five hand Pandemic by themselves and they would probably have a good time. Like, and it would just be them playing all the characters and they wouldn't really notice that someone was missing if they were a solo player. Um, but like being able to have those options and being able to have those long-term strategies uh and just like, okay, well, hopefully if I get these cards in this deck, then that might match up with one of these cards. So it's not just the beginning, but also while you're playing the game. So you're, you're kind of orchestrating how you hope it will play out. And then you have a reality of how it actually plays out. Um, and this does have like, you know, you reshuffle your deck if you run out of cards. You get an encounter card when you do. So you get maybe a little bit of damage or something, but that's not the end of the world. So you're able to like go through your deck maybe a couple times. Uh, which is really good for characters like Iron Man or um, Black Panther also is really big into getting specific items in front of him. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's really, I really like what Ananda said about you having a private puzzle and then a public puzzle. And so you're trying to work out how to get your synergies in place. And then once that's done, you can start working on the public puzzle and getting that more taken care of. Uh, not only did Ananda almost die once, but the main scheme almost got resolved as well towards the very end. So, like, there were two times where they almost lost the game. Mm -hmm. uh, 
Which, again, just like Spirit Island, having that near-death experience from the game, it, it heightens those emotions and it makes you feel like it's more of a story. It makes you feel like you're actually, you know, contributing to the story being told. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, games, games should have that. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, uh, with that, should we wrap it up and, um, yeah, let people know, you know, next week, tune in for our wrap-up episode on co-op games. Hey, thanks for listening to The Tabletop Takeaway. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. So please tell your friends and visit our website at thetabletoptakeaway.com where you can suggest games and mechanics for us to cover next on the show. Mm